In what appears to have been an anti-gay hate crime, the 5-foot, 2-inch, 105-pound shepherd had been severely beaten, burned, and tied to a fence post in near freezing temperatures last Wednesday outside Laramie, Wyoming. I've been thrown eggs at walking down the street. I've been bashed all through my, you know, childhood at school. God hates fags. I said, you know, why do I have to be this way? And then I think, no, why do they have to be that way? Silence is death. To this way out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine, I'm Greg Gordon. The Mauritius Supreme Court decriminalizes gay sex. Beirut queer marchers fend off violent Christian bikers. And it's been 25 years since a scarecrow shocked the world. Those stories and more this week, now that you've chosen this way out. I'm Ava Davis. And I'm David Hunt. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending October 7, 2023. Activist Abdul Ridwan Firas Asik proclaimed, From today, as a citizen and a human being, I am now free to love whoever I want without fear. Above all, It also means that the next generations can fully and freely embrace their sexuality without fear of being arrested. He was talking about the Mauritius Supreme Court's October 4th decision to overturn Section 251 of Criminal Code 1838. Yes, 1838 was the year British colonizers criminalized anal sex between men and made it punishable with up to five years in prison. The High Court's ruling questioned why the state had any interest in what gay men do. They concluded, Accordingly, there must exist particularly serious reasons for the state to justifiably interfere with the manner in which homosexual men choose to have consensual sexual intercourse in private. Plaintiff Asik challenged the statute in 2019 with the support of the London-based Human Dignity Trust. For him, the ruling came as an enormous relief. Just 22 of the 54 countries on the African continent have decriminalized private consensual same-gender sex, according to a tally by Pink News. Virtually all of those laws are colonial leftovers. That's why Human Dignity Trust Chief Executive Taya Braun seized a victory in the East African Mauritius, a landmark decision. In her words, it finally topples 185 years of state-sanctioned stigma against LGBT people in Mauritius and sends yet another important message to the remaining criminalizing countries in Africa and beyond. These laws must go. Elsewhere on the continent, the organization Eswatini Sexual and Gender Minorities says that the Minister of Commerce, Industry, and Trade still refuses to grant it legal recognition. This despite a unanimous Supreme Court ruling in June that failure to register ESGM is unconstitutional. According to ESGM's tweet, the ministry claimed the principles and rules of the Roman Dutch law are still enforceable. That could be considered quite a stretch. Roman Dutch law is a hybrid of classical Roman civil code and early Germanic Dutch legal humanism. It held sway in the Netherlands from the 15th to the 18th centuries and left its mark on the Dutch colonies. 
ESGM is not giving up its campaign to be recognized. A peaceful pro-LGBTQ march in central Beirut was attacked by Christian fanatics calling themselves Soldiers of God. The biker club wing of the protesters attempted to blockade the September 30th procession. Others took their unsuccessful demand to cancel the queer event to Lebanon's Ministry of Interior. The Soldiers of God denounced the marchers with offensively anti-queer slogans, demonizing what they called any kind and form of homosexuality in the streets of Beirut. At least three marchers were injured. One social media post shows a young man with a bloodied head as his companions try to fight off their attackers. Organizers said in a statement that the extremists forced the march to become a sit-in. They demanded the enforcement of constitutional guarantees and condemned methods of repression and attacks on public and private freedoms. The environment for LGBTQ people has become increasingly hostile in Lebanon. The same group of Christian extremists recently stormed a queer-friendly night spot, hosting a drag queen show. There were several injuries during that melee. The Christian extremists are not alone. Shiite Muslim Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah helped encourage the increase in anti-LGBTQ violence by calling for those engaging in same-gender sex to be killed. At least 14 schools in the United States have received bomb threats within a week of being targeted for their supposedly queer-positive activities by the far-right Libs of TikTok account. The educational institutions range from individual elementary schools to school districts to colleges. Former real estate huckster Chaya Rechik has some 2.5 million social media followers to whom she pushes absurd conspiracy theories, including the belief that LGBTQ people want to groom children into their lifestyle. Three bomb threats over the course of four days were reported at an elementary school in Chicago after Libs of TikTok showed an LGBTQ pride flag in a classroom. After a Rechik expose denouncing a California State University Fresno professor's pronouns policy, a bomb threat forced the evacuation of the entire campus. A school district in North Kansas City, Missouri was targeted when a transgender high school senior was crowned homecoming queen. Rachik would not say if she felt any responsibility for the threats and instead insinuated the threats had nothing to do with her or her followers when she was contacted by the online news outlet Vice. Transgender Harvard Law instructor Alejandra Caraballo condemned the mushrooming threats. She wrote in a social media post, not content with inciting bomb threats at several schools, Libs of TikTok has recently started to name individual school staff to send her digital lynch mob after for the crime of having a pride flag pin. This is terrorism, full stop. Media Matters LGBTQ plus program director Ari Drennan told USA Today, it's just truly a dangerous new era. We can't really afford to pretend that there's no separation between what goes on social media and what happens in the real world. Tennessee has its first out transgender elected official. Olivia Hill was sworn in on October 2nd as a member of the Metropolitan Council of Nashville and Davidson County. She represents the entire city of Nashville following her election on September 14th as an at-large member of the first Women Majority Council. Hill said during the ceremony, Representation is everything. 
I've been approached by so many moms and dads and teachers and leaders that have thanked me for running because now a lot of the trans community has someone to see. She's a Nashville native and served in combat in the U.S. Navy during Operation Desert Storm. Hill also received multiple honors from Vanderbilt University, despite her contentious relationship with the institution. Hill's legislative focus on the council will include infrastructure improvement and expanding the city's public transportation system. She told the Tennessean, The fact that I'm trans is just a part of who I am. I'm here to help fix the broken parts of Nashville. Being realistic, she admits, I know there's going to be people watching me, waiting on me to fail. Finally. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? That you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same? That you take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion? And that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which you are about to enter, so help you God. I will. Congratulations. Congratulations. U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris swore in LaFonza Butler, the first black lesbian to serve in the United States Senate. Butler was appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom to fill the seat of Senator Dianne Feinstein, who passed away on September 29th at the age of 90. Her term expires in 2024. The 44-year-old mother of one does not plan to run for Feinstein's seat. Three more than qualified Democrats are campaigning for the party's nomination. Butler is a former labor leader who was the first woman of color to head EMILY's List, the largest organization in the U.S. that focuses on electing pro-choice women. She has also served as a campaign advisor to Vice President Harris. Her appointment was not without controversy. There was pressure on Newsom to select black Congresswoman Barbara Lee, but she is vying for the seat already. Butler has also been living in Maryland since taking the job with Emily's List, although she maintains a California residence. Following her swearing in, Butler said in a press statement, no one will ever measure up to the legacy of Senator Dianne Feinstein, but I will do my best to honor her legacy and leadership by committing to work for women and girls, workers and unions, struggling parents, and all of California. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude. For the week ending October 7th, 2023, follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Ava Davis. Stay healthy. And I'm David Hunt. Stay safe. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. This is Tom Robinson reminding you that you're either listening to, discovering for the first time, or tuned right in to This Way Out, the international lesbian and gay radio magazine with Lucia Chappelle and Greg Gordon. Ow! 
our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank Thank you. People mistook the battered body of a young gay Wyoming college student tied to a fence post in the freezing cold to be a scarecrow. On our program for the week of October 19, 1998, we called his story The Book of Matthew. This is Poudre Valley Hospital with a final update on Matthew Shepard, Monday, October 12th. Matthew died shortly before 1 a.m. today as a result of injuries he sustained last week. At dozens of unprecedented marches, memorial services, and candlelight vigils held across the U.S. last week, with more scheduled in the coming week, gays and lesbians, and a number of non-gay people, have reacted to the brutal gay-bashing death of University of Wyoming student Matthew Shepard with shock, grief, and anger. We'll visit Washington, D.C., West Hollywood, California, and Madison, Wisconsin to sample some of those events and pay our respects, unlike a handful of religious extremists, at Matthew's funeral in Casper, Wyoming. But we begin with the details of the crime itself and some of the issues it raises in this report by Verna Avery Brown. In what appears to have been an anti-gay hate crime, the 5-foot, 2-inch, 105-pound shepherd had been severely beaten, burned, and tied to a fence post in near-freezing temperatures last Wednesday outside Laramie, Wyoming. State officials now say two men, Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson, will face murder charges for the attack, and their girlfriends are likely to be charged as accessories. The father of one of the suspects told the Denver Post that his son, Aaron McKinney, never set out to kill Shepard, but instead wanted to get back at Shepard for making a pass at his son in front of his friends at a campus bar. I find it hard to believe that he would he would do that if, if he had not been led to believe that the individuals were gay. Jim Osborne, chair of the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgendered Association, a group established as a safe haven on campus for gays and lesbians. Matt was a kind, caring, respectful individual. He, he was not flirtatious or he was not the type of guy to go out and look for a one-night stand. That just was not Matt. Wyoming is one of nine states that have not passed hate crime legislation. Wyoming Governor Jim Geringer, who in the past has neither supported nor opposed such bills, revisited the issue. We're very open to changing our law where it's not strict enough or where it's not comprehensive enough. We could enhance penalties, but how do you enhance the penalty when a, a death has occurred? If capital punishment is the result, how do you enhance that? Our laws already cover that, so I'm not sure what we would add. The point is, it's not all biased crimes or murders. Wyoming State Legislator Mike Massey is co-sponsor of the Bias Crime Bill, which has failed several times in the state legislature. This one was terrible, but it's not the only type of bias crimes that occur in Wyoming, just like anywhere else in the country. Uh, it occurs day in and day out. Um, an African-American man one time was, was run off his bicycle uh, up near Jackson. Uh, some teachers who are minority teachers have had desks thrown at them by students. 
And I would imagine that 90% of the bias crimes don't end up in murder. And as a result, an enhanced penalty would have quite an effect. Lori Jean of the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center says at least some of the responsibility for the rising violence against gays and lesbians rests with the bogus cure claims of the religious right. So-called family values organizations spend millions of dollars on anti-gay campaigns promoting that homosexuality is an abhorrent behavior that can and should be changed that are viewed as quackery by every reputable medical establishment from the American Medical Association on down. Campaigns which help to foster an environment that allows some people to kill another person simply because he is gay. We were incredibly shocked and dis disgusted at the uh, Matthew Shepard death and the way that, that he was killed. Tony Verona, legal counsel with the Human Rights Campaign, the country's largest lesbian gay political group. But what is most sad is that we were not surprised, uh, given that gay people are at the brunt of anti-gay hate crimes all the time. They are actually, I think it's something like 12% of all reported hate crimes are anti-gay hate crimes. So there are hundreds and thousands of, of Matthews out there that are, that are victims of hate crimes or are no longer with us, given that they have been killed just because they had the courage to, to say, I am gay or I am lesbian. We have to have the will of our political leaders to get into the high schools. Again, Lori Jean. That's where we need to be doing the education. And the instant you start talking about doing education in the high schools, that will prevent youth from committing anti-gay hate crimes. There are some people who get scared, but that's where we've got to start. Hello, this is Judy Shepard, the mother of Matthew Shepard. And you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio magazine for all our sexually diverse communities. We are here to express three equally important emotions. Terrible sorrow, deep anger, and absolute and unshakable determination. Openly gay Congressman Barney Frank of Massachusetts, pioneering comedian Ellen DeGeneres, and Shepard's best friend Walter Bowden were among the speakers at a candlelight vigil held on the steps of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. There are people who make excuses for these murderers. There are people who will go to the polls and vote against a violent hate crime statute and against allowing the schools to play the role they ought to play in fighting this vicious prejudice. And the sad fact is they will go to the polls in greater number than many of us will. So one of the things you can do between now and November is this. Make sure that you and everyone who cares for you, everyone who expresses to you their horror and sympathy and disgust at this brutal murder, make sure that they take the time and trouble between now and November to find out the position on gay and lesbian fairness and equality of every single individual on that ballot and get out there and we can protect ourselves with our vote in November. I know we all feel the same way and I'm, I'm here and I'm, you know, he's got these two close friends here and I'm, I don't even know him and I'm thinking this is just really selfish of me. I mean, what, pull yourself together and, and it just hit me why I am so devastated by it. It's because this is what I was trying to stop. This is exactly why I did what I did. 
Just a week before he was so savagely tortured and murdered, Matt told me how happy he was to be back home, how comfortable he felt in Laramie, and how safe he felt there compared to the big city. I was so happy to hear that because I had encouraged Matt to come home. Matt's sense of safety was betrayed by every legislator in Wyoming and in this nation who has ever opposed or voted against hate crime legislation over the last year. Comments by some of those participating in the candlelight vigil in West Hollywood, California, reflected the anger and renewed fears felt everywhere. I've been thrown eggs at walking down the street. I've been bashed all through my, you know, childhood at school. It really limits me. I can't be affectionate in public. It's gotten to the point that, you know, people that I have been with have been complaining, you know, you're not affectionate, you're not affectionate, and I just, I'm afraid to be. It depresses me sometimes, and I think, God, you know, I said, why do, you know, why do I have to be this way? And then I think, no, why do they have to be that way? I'm upset and saddened by what happened to this young boy, but I'm also angered by the fact that we have leaders in our Congress that equate us to kleptomaniacs. And I believe that those people are really responsible as much as the two men and the two girls that were charged. Those people in our Congress that support this kind of, of hatred, even though they may not support the violence, they support the hatred. The march and rally in Madison, Wisconsin, exemplified the reaffirmation of community that was also widely expressed. Less than two days after University of Wyoming student Matthew Shepard died from wounds suffered in a horrific gay bashing, hundreds gathered on the library mall at the University of Wisconsin to express anger, grief, and a resolve that the climate of hatred and fear that produced his death must end. On a windy, cold Wisconsin night, people young and old, gay and straight, drew warmth and comfort from one another. Holding each other tight and bathed in the light of candles, they marched solemnly up State Street, their ranks stretching for several blocks, a portrait of Matthew Shepard held high above the crowd. All I can think of is the importance of our honesty, of our openness, of our visibility, of us using our voices to speak loudly and clearly and unequivocally about who we are and supporting one another. Silence is death. concluded and several dozen of us lingered in the dark and cold. We were reminded of the source of our strength, the special sense of love and community that we share. At the base of the Capitol steps was a makeshift monument to Matthew built around his portrait, elegant and eloquent in its simplicity. One by one, as people left the rally, they added their candles to a glowing assemblage. Clustered around it, our bodies blocked the wind, allowing the candles to burn brightly, even while we basked in the warmth of their glow. This is John Quinlan reporting. We should try to remember that because Matt's last few minutes of consciousness on Earth may have been hell, his family and friends want more than ever to say their farewells to him in a peaceful, dignified, and loving manner. God hates fags. 
Why is that so hard for you guys to understand? A handful of religious extremists from Kansas and Texas ignored what seemed like a simple request by Matthew's father, Dennis Shepard, before the funeral in Casper, Wyoming on October 16, 1998, during which one of Matthew's cousins read a poem she had written for him to say goodbye. He lived in shame, he died in shame. I mean, it's not okay to be gay. I mean, it's a soul-damning, nation-destroying lifestyle. If you guys don't recognize him as a human being, then you don't need to be out here. We're offended that the state of Wyoming and the governor would say to this public school system here in Casper, Wyoming, to fly their flags at half-mast to honor this sodomite. I think it is so disrespectful to come to a young man's funeral. On behalf of our son, Matthew Shepard, we want to thank the citizens of the United States and the people of the world who have expressed their deepest sympathy and condolences to our family during these trying times. A person as caring and loving as our son Matt would be overwhelmed by what this incident has done to the hearts and souls of people around the world. Matthew was the type of person that if this had happened to another person would have been the first on the scene to offer his help, his hope, and his heart to the family. Maddie, I love you with all of my heart. I wish you only knew how much. You'll be happier with this brand new start, the world's hearts you now have touched. ways since the murder of Matthew Shepard, the pendulum has swung left and back to the right again. Congress passed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act in 2009, but today hate crimes are skyrocketing, especially against transgender women of color. Few of those deaths make so much as a ripple in the mainstream media, unlike the outrage generated by the image of a white boy next door pilloried on a country road. Poisonous conversion therapy has been banned in 22 states and the District of Columbia, but religious freedom claims are chipping away at LGBTQ rights. Inclusive education programs are being devastated by don't-say-gay policies. Two states still don't specifically outlaw hate crimes, South Carolina and Matthew Shepard's home state of Wyoming, where the state house again fails to advance a hate crimes bill in January of this year. You know, it's been my survival. This has been my grieving process, and uh, I just don't want to disappoint Matt. I think that's really why I do it. Matthew Shepard's mother, Judy, talks about carrying on his fight for rights without in the base Eric Jensen, next time on This Way Out.
Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newswrap was reported this week by Ava Davis and David Hunt and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our archival correspondents were Verna Avery Brown of Pacifica Radio News and John Quinlan. The Rascals, Melissa Etheridge, and Blackberry performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson, composer, performed our theme music. This way out thanks to the Yavana Foundation and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. Ask us for more information. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on CHSR, Fredericton, New Brunswick, KCSB, Santa Barbara, California, WODO, Norfolk, Virginia, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.